following sermon is by Andy Lake, the senior pastor of Liberty Bible Church. This program, Grow in Liberty, is the preaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church in Vienna, Ohio. Liberty Bible Church places a priority on the Word of God over all else and has a desire to share truth with believers and non-believers alike. Our prayer is that as people tune in, they would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Join us as we grow together through the Word of God. Open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, if you would please. Hebrews chapter number 11. And I don't know if you <clears throat> pay much attention, but we try to make everything from the beginning of the service time to the end of the service all point in the same direction. So this is why you're going to see the music that has been chosen pointing in the same direction as the message, the scripture readings that are being uh, uttered. They are all pointing the same direction. We do this on purpose because we want our focus to be Christ. We don't want our focus to be our favorite songs or our, uh, our favorite uh, uh, passage or what have you. We want the focus to be all moving in the same direction. And what's beautiful is when we get these moments of uh, singing songs, revive us again. Listen, we're going to be looking at a few things in Scripture today as far as faith is concerned. And today and next week, it's going to be a two-part message. We're going to be looking at faith in two different aspects. And one of those aspects is that of action. And so we can see faith actively, but we can also see faith passively. And so as we look at some of the different things that we're doing and we we reach out and we call out to God, revive us again, it's time for us to be revived to action. We, we sing songs such as, Be Thou My Vision. Christ is to be our vision. That's where we need to be looking. As we get to the end of chapter 11 and we lead into chapter 12, you're going to notice where we ought to have our eyes set looking unto Jesus. And if our eyes are set on Him, our faith has found a resting place. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is welcome here. And we have a, a, a hunger to see Him move. He is the Lord that created it all. He is our hope. That's where we focus. That's where we want to bring everything to light. And so we're going to take a look at a few things starting this morning as far as faith's legacy. And so we want to see this legacy that is being left to us. So as we come to the end of our Hall of Faith chapter, the preacher makes sort of a homiletical shift. And so look with me if you would, starting in verse number 32 of Hebrews chapter number 11. So what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and of Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts 
and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us that they, without us, should not be made perfect. Paul's with me for just a moment as we ask God's wisdom as we dig into His Word today. Father, I come before You as I have so often completely inadequate. Asking You to do something that only You can and that's to use me in spite of me. To speak through me as You speak to me. Father, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing, but because of Your Holy Spirit taking up residence in me, there is therefore now no condemnation. And so, Father, what I ask is that You would use this humble servant, as inadequate as he may be, to impart truth through the foolishness of preaching. You would be glorified. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. <clears throat> so as we come to the end of this Hall of Faith chapter, uh, the preacher, as we have noted, the, the writer of Hebrews goes somewhat anonymous. But the preacher yet again makes this sort of homiletical shift. Uh, we noticed as we read through uh, chapter number 11, some of the different uh, faith characters. We saw the, the, the pre-flood faith. We saw that in Abel, Enoch, Noah. Uh, we saw the pre-law faith. And so many people, you know, well, they had to, uh, have the law or they had to have this in order to show faith. That is not the case. We see the pre-faith law in Abraham, uh, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. And we see that kind of leading us uh, to the law and the faith that is shown in the law. We see the pre-kingdom faith in uh, Moses uh, and as he uh, leads the people and then the law is, uh, is established and then uh, Joshua and as he's leading the people across uh, the Jordan into Jericho, into the promised land, we see Rahab and that's kind of where everything ended before in verse number 31, by faith the harlot Rahab perished, not with them that believed not, when she had received the spies with peace. And so, uh, one of the beautiful things that we find in Scripture is this, uh, this common thread of truth. If it was you and if it was me writing these things, we probably would have left certain things out. You know, I mean, think about it for just a moment. As we read through the passage in verse number 31, by faith, you and I probably would have just said, Rahab. By faith, Rahab. Do we have to insert that she was a harlot, right? But the truth that is shown in Scripture, and as you go through the history of God's people, what's beautiful and what is seen time and time again is the faith, uh, uh, the faith of the people that they placed in God. It had nothing to do with their ability, had nothing to do with their status, had nothing to do with what kind of person they were. Listen to me. If a murderous, uh, adulterous king by the name of David can be uh, used by God, praise the Lord, so can I. This is something that we see as we go through this hall of faith and we see Abraham. He lied. He was about to let his wife go off with some other man because he was afraid for his own safety. We, we see a, a, a dysfunctional family in Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I mean, that dysfunction just travels on. Well, that wasn't a dysfunctional family. Do you have any of your two sons trying to kill each other for a bowl of soup? One of them, finally, Jacob comes along and he's, uh, uh, Jacob, call me Israel. Uh, he comes along and he's got all his sons and he makes it very evident to all of his sons which one was the favorite. Tell me ain't dysfunctional. If that dysfunctional family can be used by God, this dysfunctional uh, bald-headed chubby fellow can be used by God. That's what's gloriously presented to us in Scripture. We get to see all of the history of God's people, flaws and all. And so we make our way now. He says he could go on and on and on 
He says, but for time's sake, let me just give you a generalization here. He says there in verse number 32, and what shall I more say for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson, and of Jephthah, and of David, and of Samuel, and of the prophets. And he says, I can just keep listing these people. And this is one of those, uh, I'm, I'm always cautious whenever we uh, uh, I, I start to thank this individual and that individual. Let's recognize this person and that person, because I know time will fail me, and I'll leave one out. I know it. And that's the one that's going to have needed it the most. Well, preacher, you didn't say my name. Why not? And so the preacher wants to make it clear, I could go on and on and on and on. We get to a place here. He reveals through this sort of last-minute generalization cluster, he reveals two aspects of faith. The first one being that of active faith, and the second being passive faith. Now, I like to try to start things with a question just to get ourselves thinking in a certain direction. And to be honest with you, I struggled with coming up with a question on this one because it was more of a point that needed to be made, but I thought, let's see if we can come up with something to get the creative juices flowing in the mind. And so I landed on this. Does living a life of faith mean that I have to be perfect? Look in the history of those of the hall of faith. (laughs) Was Abraham perfect? No. Was Moses perfect? No. Was Joshua perfect? No. What about Gideon? Coward. Samson, womanizer. Jephthah, he, he had to play the lottery with God. And so as we look at this, we see the perfection that sometimes we think that we have to attain in order to be uh, said that we have a life of faith. However, seeing as how living a life of faith does not necessarily mean that I have to be perfect, what does it mean? What does it mean to live a life of faith? And so we're going to look at this uh, in a little bit of detail here today. Number one, I want you to see the character of the people that are mentioned here. Many times people feel that they must be some sort of great individual, uh, but I want you to understand this right right out of the chute. God uses nobodies who are willing to trust Him. That's the beautiful thing about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You go into uh, the study of uh, of who God calls. What is, think back to Gideon, and Gideon says, what are you talking about? I'm the smallest tribe, the smallest of the smallest tribe. I'm a nobody. God said, yep, because you're a nobody, I want to use you. I was talking with a friend not too long ago. We were talking just about uh, people called into ministry and how people can know whether or not they're called into ministry. And I've kind of come to this sort of conclusion. This is my own thing. I'm not going to give you something out of, you know, second hesitations, chapter four or whatever. This is my own sort of conclusion. Yeah. Dale's trying to find second hesitations over there. He's like, where, where's that? This is, uh, this is my own conclusion. The people who are sitting in the pews and the chairs saying, I could do the job better are not called. I can tell you how I knew my call was solidified. Because I knew that I was the last person that needed to be doing it. God, I'm, I'm not adequate. I, I don't have the brain. I don't have the, uh, the gumption. I don't have the ability. Listen, I am the, the, the most backward individual you will ever meet. I know that comes across to you as a surprise. I'm really not that outgoing. I'm really not. You want to come talk to me? I'm happy to talk to you. You want me to initiate? We don't have problems. People are like, well, how come the pastor never calls me? Please understand, it's nothing about you. It's all me. I'm just a very backward guy. 
So if you get a text from me or a phone call from me, understand something. You have no idea how much I had to put myself out of my comfort zone to do that. (laughs) I love going door knocking and, oh, you want to talk about a sleepless night? I'm going to do what tomorrow? When Pastor Green, my former pastor, when he put me on a bus ministry, on a bus route, oh my Lord, I thought I was going to die. And to show up at people's doors unannounced and knock on their door when they don't want me there. And to be honest with you, I'm not sure anybody wants me there. That just, it made my insides. It felt like my stomach was tying in knots and trying to come out my nose. I'm the last person. And so we need to learn to see things the way God sees them. God's not looking for some grand, popular, mega uh, uh, church superstar. He's looking for someone that's willing. When I said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, if you want me to fix church toilets for the rest of my life, that's what I'll do. If you want me to work at this airport for the rest of my life and just show up and smile for the preacher, that's what I'll do. If you don't ever want me to occupy a pulpit, you don't ever want me to do anything, you want me to be hated for the cause of Christ, that's what I'll do. God, whatever it is that you want for me to do, that's what I'm happy to do. That's when I knew my call was solidified. And that's when God said, now I can use you. Are you there yet? I've had people say, well, it's easy for you, you know. You, know, you, you You're the one that goes out and you preach. And this, Listen to me. If God took preaching away from me, I would still find my place right there. I would still occupy my spot. And if God, all He ever wanted for me to do was to fill up a water bottle every single Sunday, I would occupy my space, fill up my water bottle to the glory of God. It's not about the people. It's about their willingness. Do not look at these individuals as someone that we need to mimic Rather, see God's faithfulness in spite of them. See how God used them in spite of them. God was using David in a great way. He decided to do his own thing. God still used him. God was faithful. David's the one that decided to go his own direction. Abraham's the one that decided to go his own direction. Joshua's the one that decided to go his own. No, 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 no. Stop for a minute. It's not about these people that we're looking at. It's about the God that they trusted. By faith, they were able to do this. If they were putting their faith in anything other than God, they would not have been able. Look at Gideon for just a moment takes 300 men. You can find the story of Gideon in the book of Judges, Judges chapter number 6. He takes 300 men up over against over 100,000 men. I believe the number was, uh, some people say it was 120, some people say it was around 135. Bible says it's 120. Let's park there. 300 men. We're not talking about Leonidas's 300 who held off the Persian army. We're talking about 300 nobodies. And what did they go to war with? A lantern and a torch. Leonidas's men wouldn't have gone to war with a lantern and a torch. They wanted their shield. They wanted their spear. They wanted their sword. God's people are the nobodies from nowhere trusting Him to do amazing things. So don't look at these individuals as someone to mimic. See God's faithfulness in spite of their abilities. Stop putting conditions 
can I just kind of put it this way to you? Many times we put conditions on what we're going to do or how we're going to serve the Lord. Okay, Lord, if you will give me this ability, I'll use it for you. Uh, Lord, you know, <laughs> I, I know your word tells me that I, I need to, uh, uh, you know, serve the brothers and sisters in Christ, but I, I just really don't have a lot of time. So if you'll give me an extra day off, have my boss give me another day off then I'll serve. Then I'll get involved in the church and I'll do things. If you would just have my boss, then you get fired. You got a lot of days off there, right? Careful what you ask for. Quit putting conditions on serving the Lord. And this is what we what we see time and time again. Again with Gideon. What did he do? <laughs> okay, uh, uh, I'm going to put a I'm, I'm going to put a lamb's wool out. I'm going to put this little this little hide out here, and in the morning, if the ground's dry and it's wet, then I know you're really wanting me to do this. <laughs> and then the next morning, he comes back, and the ground's dry, and the little wool there, it's, it's wet, and he's like, <laughs> I made a mistake. Um, of course, that's still going to be wet, so tomorrow, that can be dry, and the ground around it wet, then I'll know. And so he leaves, he comes back the next morning, and guess what? It's dry, the ground around it's wet. I wonder what would have happened if he just said, okie dokie, I'll do it. A lot of people are, are still waiting for their lamb's wool, their, their sheep's skin. They're still waiting for that moment. The writer of Hebrews lets us know we have had that moment. You saw it with the lives of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Noah, Jephthah. Uh, You see it with all these different lives. Why do you have to have your own personal? You see, chapter 12, as we get to chapter 12, begins this way. It says, wherefore, seeing we are so compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. I've had people ask me before, does that mean that my family is up in heaven watching No. The type of witness that's talked about here is the type of witness for such as like a courtroom. The defense attorney says, I'm going to bring my first witness up to the witness stand to give testimony. And we have such a great group of testifiers to the goodness, the graciousness, the faithfulness of our Lord and Savior We don't need our own sheepskin. Take their word for it. What more do you need? You see, both Gideon and Barak, these are two examples here, should have been uh, encouraged to, um, to those who struggle with faith. They should be this encouragement to you who struggles with faith. Uh, Think about it for just a minute. Barak, Deborah has this, uh, uh, she's pulling Barak along. She's trying to get him to lead, trying to get him to go. Do this for the Lord. Get in there. Only if you go with me. Only if you go with me. Where's your faith, Barak? Get in. (laughs) Okay, so the unseen one wants me to go to war. Only got 300. Are you sure? Where's your faith, Gideon? Listen, I understand your faith, my faith, is not always going to be top shelf faith. We're going to struggle. There are going to be times where you and I, we have faith and we come to a certain point and our faith begins to waver. I'm not sure, Lord. I, I, I know this is what you would like for me to do, but I'm not sure if it's going to work out. The writer of Hebrews gave us examples to be able to look back to and see how you and I can still be strong in faith just like they were. Samson. By all appearances, Samson was a failure until his last moment. 
By all appearances, Samson, uh, he, he had three things as a Nazarite. Three things. Wasn't supposed to touch the dead. Wasn't supposed to drink or eat from the fruit of the vine. And he wasn't supposed to have his hair cut. Three things. Guess what he did? All three things. Good job, buddy. God gave you three rules and you couldn't keep those. See, be careful not to think that these individuals are meant for us to pattern ourselves after. But we see the God that they did serve. Don't look at this as an excuse, though. This is what we tend to do. Okay, I got faith like Gideon. I'm more of like a Gideon type of a faith guy. I'm, I'm more like Samson. I'm more like Samson. I wait until the chips are down, and then I have faith. I'm, I'm, I'm more like Abraham. I'm playing the long game, preacher. A little bit of faith here, a little bit of faith here. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't look at this as an excuse for being like them. Rather, notice in spite of the way they were, God used them. Think of how much God could have used them even more. Now, this is not putting a limit on God. This is a putting a limit on them. They limited themselves. They were the ones that made the limit. They were the ones that said, I'll go this far, but not any further. They're the ones. God made a promise. He says, if you follow me, it'll be well. You go against me, it won't. They're the ones that messed up. There's a story of, <clears throat> uh, I believe it was D.L. Moody. Uh, someone was looking for a revival speaker and they wanted Moody to come. And one of the guys on the deacon board said, well, Moody doesn't have a monopoly on a revival. One of the other guys says, no, but God has a monopoly on him. That's why we want him. Could that be said of you and me? Jephthah didn't simply trust. He had to make bargains with God. So understand that God works regardless of our, of our bargains. Just have faith in Him. And you got David, Samuel. David was a ruthless warrior and a lying murderer and a rapist. But he trusted. He trusted God. Samuel, boy did he serve. But have you read about his kids? Boy did he mess up there. You see, the call of God on these people is what we want to kind of zero in on for just a moment. These were all people called by God to lead His people. These were all, the, here's the, the thing that you're going to see with this. They are judges, they're kings, they're spiritual leaders. They were all, all of them engaged in battles, and all of them had victory by faith. Now, their battle may have been spiritual, their battle may have been physical, but all of them were involved in war, in conflict. So the writer of Hebrews presents these examples not as an illustration of how we ought to behave, but as examples of what faith in God can accomplish. And this is why in today we're, we're kind of zeroing in on this action portion of faith and what we do as a result of faith. As leaders, whether you are a leader in your job place, whether you are a leader in ministry or you're a leader in your home or you're a leader in any frame of mind. Listen, if you have anybody who is looking to you, you're a leader. You got a son? You got a daughter? You have nieces, nephews. Do you have little neighbor kids across the street wondering how you're living your life? You're a leader. Like it or lump it. And what are they following? What are they seeing? We who are called as leaders must recognize that our battles uh, are our battles. David fought his own battles. Samuel fought battles. Elijah fought battles. You have to recognize your battles. 
and by faith, attack. By faith, wage war. Trust the one who can help you win the victory. Perhaps God has called you to lead change in the workplace. Perhaps God has called you to lead change in your family. Maybe your street. Perhaps God has called you to lead change in your surrounding influence, your circle, your little sphere. Listen, you've got people that you'll come into contact with, I'll never know. Has God called you to lead change? Has God called you to guide them to truth? Mm-hmm. If you are born again by the Spirit of God, you have been called to go, to preach, to teach, to bring them to Christ. You've been called. Not just me because I'm a pastor. Not just the five deacons. Not Pastor McCrack. No, no, it's not just us. You are called. I want you to see something else with this. I want you to notice the victories that faith brings about. Look at verse 33 and 30 to 33 through 35 with me. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword out of weakness, were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, uh, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. You see that? These are all things that were done. These are all actions as a result of faith. I want you to note these victories because many many have attempted to try to draw a direct line from everything mentioned here to a specific individual in the Bible. Uh, but you'll notice it doesn't say a woman, it says women received. Many did this, some did this. So I, I think sometimes we can very easily see certain things, you know, stop the mouths of lions. You think Daniel was the only one to have ever been fed to lions? Maybe not. But Daniel's an easy one to notice. You think quenching the violence of fire? Maybe Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego weren't the only ones thrown into a fiery furnace. Maybe the writer of Hebrews is privy to other examples of this. It says that they subdued kingdoms. We see David. He conquered. Uh, Stopped the mouths of lions. Daniel, quench the violence of fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Women received their dead. Uh, we had the woman of Zarephath, but we've also got the Shumanite woman's son. And so here's, here's kind of where we camp on this for just a minute. Look with me back in Daniel chapter 3. I want you to notice something with Daniel chapter 3. <coughs> Excuse me, Daniel back in the Old Testament shortly after Book of Psalms and Proverbs. Notice Daniel chapter number 3. We're not going to read the entire story, but let's let's look at just a few highlights here. Nebuchadnezzar, verse 1. The king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. And he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent together together the princes and the governors and the captains and the judges and the treasurers and the counselors and the sheriffs and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image where Nebuchadnezzar, uh, which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Look at verse four. Harold cried uh, aloud, "To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at the time uh, that you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you will fall down." Worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And whosoever falleth not down and worshipeth uh, shall the same hour be cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And so we, we understand what's taking place. We have heard this more than likely. Uh, at, at any stage of the game, we've been studying the word of God or been around preaching. We know what's going on here. And, and the entire the entire nation has been brought together. They're supposed to bow down uh, when the music plays. What happens? Three boys don't bow down. Finally, they're called in. 
and look at, uh, look at verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. In other words, we're just going to tell you the plain truth. We're not going to mince words. We're not going to candy coat anything. We're just going to tell you the, tr- the plain truth. We are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. I want you to see something in this. True faith, true faith knows not only who can, but also continues to act when it appears that the one who can help is not coming. And so true faith knows who can help them. They recognize where their help comes from. This is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were saying here. They said, uh, if it be our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And then the very next verse is, but if he doesn't, we're still following him. Still. This is true faith. This is what it means to really be a man or a woman of faith. You place your trust in the only one that can help. And you also believe that if he doesn't help, it's because he has his best interest for you in mind. So you're telling me if they would have burnt to death, it would have been okay? Mm Mm-hmm. Because they know whom they have believed. They are persuaded that he was able to keep them. That's faith. The woman uh, that knew <coughs> of the man of God. Look at Second Kings chapter 4 with me. Back before Psalms, you have some of the historical books and you have some of the law. You've got book of 2 Kings. <clears throat> Notice verse uh, chapter number f- 4. There was a certain woman, chapter number 4, verse 1, there was a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, thy husband is dead. Um, thou knowest that thy servant did uh, fear the Lord. Creditors come take up uh, uh, my two sons, be a bondman. Actually, I'm sorry. Drop down to verse number 8. I went back too far. Look at verse number 8. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shuman. There was a great woman, uh, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat. And she said to her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passes by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. And so this Shumanite woman, uh, she's a, a woman of means, a wealthy woman, and she uh, talks to her son, and she or to her husband, and she says to her husband, uh, here's this man of God that comes through, we need to make a special room for him. If you read through the story, you'll find uh, that... Um, uh, that this woman was barren. She didn't have any children. She wanted one. Elisha says, you're going to have a child shortly thereafter. She has a child. But uh, down the road, look at verse number 18. When the child was grown, it fell on a day uh, that he went out to his father to the reapers. And he said unto his father, my head, my head. And he said to the lag, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him, brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, and shut the door upon him and went out. And she cried unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses, that I may run to the man of God and come again. She knew where to turn. Now I want you to understand something. She wasn't turning to Elisha because it was Elisha. She was turning to the man of God. That's where her faith was. He knows God. He can speak to God on my behalf. That's the one I need to contact. You see, the woman knew that the man of God could help. She knew, she would not settle with him simply sending anyone either. He tried to send his servant. She says, no, you need to be the one to come. Elisha asked God and believed that he was able. 
You see, the focus, again, is on God, not on these people. It's where we go with these. None of these examples, understand this, none of these examples were perfect. But their faith was rightly placed. None of them were perfect. They placed their faith in the one who is perfect. That's what we need to get from this passage. And because of that, they were able to do great things. Elisha, it wasn't his own ability, it wasn't his own power. He turned to the one who could raise from the dead. This ought to be something that for you and I is free. I'm not able to do great and mighty things for God. Andy Lake is inadequate on his better days. But the God that I serve is more than sufficient. And I trust His abilities, not my own. I trust His power, not my own. I trust His Word, not my own. Looking at this, remember, it was not Elisha. It was Elisha's God. It was not the woman. It was the God that she trusted. She believed and he obeyed. Now, back in Hebrews chapter 11. Next week, we're going to look at the continuation of verse 35 because you're going to see not only what people were able to do and perform because of faith, but what they were able to endure because of faith. That's the passive part of faith. But as you look through this record of people able to do great and mighty things, notice again Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. What is faith? It's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. I trust Him. Anything that I have done that was, has been worthwhile is because of Him. Not because of me. Not because I've got all the answers. Any answer I'm going to give you, it's going to be this right here. Well, the Word of God says, well, the Bible tells me. Well, Jesus said, well, in the Old Testament we find, in the New Testament we find, that's what I'm going to give you. Because if I give you anything of my own reasoning, anything of my own mind, in the vernacular, it ain't that good. That's Greek for you don't want it. This is what you want. This is where the power comes. So where is your faith centered today? Let me ask you from this perspective, we, how do I develop this type of a life of faith? Let, let's, let's look at it this way. Is God calling you to do something today? Uh, I, I'm not sure, Pastor. I'm not sure if God's calling me to do anything. Uh, I'm not 100% positive, to be honest with you. Um, well, like what? What would God be calling me to do, Pastor? Well, is He calling you to follow Him as Savior? Is He calling you to follow Him? Have you ever in your life placed your trust? I'm just, I'm saying quit leaning on your own abilities, your own understanding, your own knowledge. You stop looking at that. You stop worrying about that. And you say, Lord, you got the answers. I don't. I'm following you. I'm, I'm done. It's all about you. Is God calling you to make that decision today? Maybe you'd say, well, pastor, I've, I've made that decision. 
Well, maybe God's calling you to change your life or to leave something. I can remember the day that the Lord called me to leave something that I really was comfortable with and enjoyed. I was willing to endure an awful lot so that I could keep doing what I was doing. I'm not saying my life was perfect. Far from it. But I remember the day halfway through actually taking part in something that I loved. In the back of my mind, you're done. Quit fighting me. It's time to lay it down. I've got something else for you to do. And what I was doing was good. It was a good work. It wasn't anything bad. But he said, I've got something else. Are you fighting the Lord on something? Are you struggling to lay something down, to make a change in your life, to do what you know God would have you to do? Is God calling you to do something like that? Maybe God's calling you to lead someone else to follow Him instead of their own thoughts and their own wisdom. God has entrusted to you truth. And there's someone in your life that you know has decided that they don't want anything to do with truth. But God has put everything in your hand to help guide them, lovingly nudge them toward truth. Are you submitting to that? Or are you rejecting to obey? You see, here's, here's why we reject. Because we don't have faith. I'm not going to share the truth of God's word with my friend or my loved one. Because I don't really believe it. I know God's Word says X, Y, and Z, but maybe that was for a different time. No. Have faith. And if God's calling you to lead others to Him, lead others to Him. So how do I develop this? I recognize first and foremost what God is calling me to do. And here's the deep part. Get your pens ready if you're note takers. And you're like, all right. I recognize, step one, recognize what God wants me to do. Step two, everybody got their pens? Got your pencils? Got the leg? Got the ink ready? Here's part two. Do it. Profound, isn't it? That's deep. That's deep. By faith, do what God is asking you to do. By faith, trust that the one who calls you is able to do it through you. He'll perform it. It's Philippians 3.13 says, God is the one working in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. God's the one. Do you trust that? Do you believe that? Well, by faith, act. Father, We come at this time, Lord, recognizing that we are, we're iffy when it comes to our faith. We struggle. Just like the, those who we, we might refer to as heroes of faith. Really, in all honesty, they're not heroes. <laughs> 
If we were to see them for who they are and what they are, for their actions, we would realize they're not someone to pattern our life after. But when we stop and recognize who they had their faith in, then we too can see how we can be victorious. Father, I know that I struggle with many things. My willingness to simply do what You ask me to do is one. But as I look at the great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us, Father, I pray that I too would have my faith rightly placed. It's not in my ability. It's not in my friends. It's not in my family members. It's not even in my church. It's in You. So help us, Father, to be zeroed in on Jesus, the author, the pioneer, and the perfecter of our faith. Pray these things in Your Son's name. Amen. You have been listening to Andy Lake, Bible teacher with Grow in Liberty and pastor of Liberty Bible Church. We pray that you were challenged today and encourage you to share this message with your friends and family. If you were motivated in some way to grow in your walk with Christ, please drop us a line and reference the title of today's message. You can access us online at growinliberty.org. Email us at together at growinliberty.org or send us a letter to Liberty Bible Church, 2111 Sodom Hutchings Road, Vienna, Ohio, 44473. If you would like to support Grow in Liberty financially, you may also do that at growinliberty.org. Thank you so much for joining us today.